So it's safe to say that we are coming out of the summer season, and I know that for us, with kids going back to school, that already be thinking about that, but before we lose August, and we're already going in September, that we spend a little bit of time um, enjoying the season that we have now. Let me ask you guys a question. How many of you guys have done some good camping or gone out to the lake this summer so far? I don't know why I asked the question. I barely see anybody, but <laughs> what I love is when you, I love thinking about when you go out to the lake, and I think sometimes that, you know, we're so excited to go out, just, and especially with our, my kids, watching them as they're playing around, and the difference between my oldest son and now my middle child, um, Carmen just uh, gave birth to our third uh, son, yeah. <laughs> So I got the privilege of using the baby announcement, the stage for a baby announcement at that moment, but watching my two oldest boys, the oldest and the second, how they, in, you know, take situations and watching them as we're going out to the lake or going out to any adventure. I mean, Davin is the first one to climb up the tree and he's already up there and not just my wife, but every parent is holding breath, watching what he's doing. And, and Elijah tries to keep up, but isn't always there. But especially watching them going in something like a lake. And Davin is the first, and he just bulldozes right in there. And he is out into the deep water. And because he can swim, he doesn't have a life jacket. And so at the same time, you're watching going, okay, I want to allow my child to have freedom. I don't want to be that parent. I don't want to be the helicopter parent. But at the same time, watching me go, they're going like, all right, how far... Do I let him go? That I know that if I needed to dive in there or swim after that, he's not going to drown. Like there's this tension, this moment of watching Davin as he's swimming out going, where's that line where I could do? And Elijah's the opposite where he loves swimming and he takes swimming lessons, but he's failed twice now because of there's not that much of an interest and he's much more like, you know, I'm good. I got a life jacket. Why do I need to learn to swim? And he's the type of kid, and maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you're this person where, you know, you go and you get into the water and it's cold, right? So you're just like, nope, nope. You know what? We'll work ourselves. We'll, we'll go play in the sand for a bit and 15 minutes later come again. It's like, nope, the water is still cold. I don't know why in my mind at any point that I think 15 minutes over here coming back that the temperature of the water would have changed at any moment. But there are two different types of people. When you watch people swim, there is a person who just throws all caution to the wind and runs right into it. And, and maybe they know that the water is going to be cold and they're just going to bear it. They're going to go right into that. They're going to go head first right into the water. And there's other people like my middle child who, you know, it takes about three hours to actually get into the water because they need to ease into this. You know, and I think this is a great example. I think we do this in life, you know. I, I, when I was younger... I was much more of the cautious person. I would have an excitement for something, but I would ease into that. When I was going to propose to my wife, I obviously was excited. If you've seen my wife, I've married up. You know, like, <laughs> since we've been married, my wife hasn't changed. I haven't fared so well. I think if you look at her wedding picture, you might go, who's with Carmen? It doesn't look like Drake at all. But I, when I went to propose to Carmen, you know, I was excited, and I didn't have consciously any reason. I knew she was going to say yes, 
but I was still freaked out. We were going on a walk. I had this plan, and, and there, was a moment, there was, I think, there were two, three, maybe even four times I was about to do it, and I chickened out. I dipped my foot into the water, and I thought, no, let's just let's go build a, a sandcastle for a second here. I literally had to put myself into a situation where I had no choice but to ask the question. And of course, she said yes. And um, not of course, obviously she said yes. Maybe she would have said no. I don't know. But the other time we do that was the, the birth or choosing to, to have our first child. I remember thinking all of the different reasons why having kids is going to ruin this perfect harmony that we have between the two of us. All the work that's going to involve. And I was scared. Carmen was much more ready to have kids, which is pretty, I think, common in general between husbands and wives. But I, same thing, was fearing that. And I remember when Davin was born, looking at him going, what was I so scared about? I couldn't believe the amount of love that it had. Now, obviously, the loss of sleep and the things like that. But every moment was worth it. But in my younger years, I was that type of person. And I've learned over the time and through experience that, you know, sometimes the things that we're scared about, the, the temperament of the water, isn't the thing that should be able to hold us back to be able to move forward. And I think about this message called it all in. And the reason why when this message is, is and I want to talk about this, is that we, we need to be moving all in in our relationship with God, in our relationship with Jesus. We sung that thing that how we love you, that this is our anthem, this surrender, this abandonment. But how people get to that place of being all in is a difference for the journey of every person. Some of you are ready and you're going to jump head first and you put all, you know, um, you know, caution aside and you get right into there and you want to be just into the, the mix of things. And other of you are just like, I'm taking that small step and I'm small step. And let me encourage you before we get into anything else, that is okay and how you do that. Because when you look at the scriptures of what Jesus does is interacting with people, that he knows what that person needs, where they're going, the soft touch or the all in, the head diving in. But let me, let me define real quick what I mean by what all in is. This I mean of running in. So at some point, this term, to be putting it all on the line, holding nothing back. And as we in our relation want to, you know, continually and aggressively in our own times, bringing ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the water, into the presence of Jesus, into that relationship, surrendering more. And maybe for some of you, it's that you need to take that leap and you just need to take all caution and you just need to start running, going out as far as you can because you know, you know what, I'm done, ready to let go. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm ready just to run in. And for some of you this morning, it's simply going to be this, that I need to take one step in ankle deep. That's it. One step. But either way, that we need to start moving towards this all in. And I love some of the stories that we see in the Bible of Jesus interacting and calling people to this life of being all in. And one of these characters, one of my favorite characters, is Peter. And the reason why I enjoy Peter, is it because Peter speaks and then he thinks. And as a French-Italian, I have a verbal processor, talk with my hands, and a lot of the times I'm more likely to speak out my thoughts as I'm thinking them, and sometimes have the tendency of saying something stupid. There's this great verse in Proverbs that says, the more you speak, the more likely you are to sin. 
And I'm just like, I'm going to take that verse to heart more often to have a better filter about what I'm saying and doing. And I love the story of Peter because I can look at that as somebody that Jesus called and built and has been part of the, the foundations of the church building. And somebody like Peter as well as a first person to speak, to jump, to go, to do. He's the one that runs right into the water that goes head first without even thinking. And in a lot of the stories of Peter, it gets him into some trouble. It gets him into a lot of trouble. He's the only person in the Bible that I know that Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because he spoke before he thought. But are there three areas that I want to share about Peter's life and how Jesus interacted with him and called him to a deeper relationship about going all in? And some of these are great stories and some of them aren't pretty. And the first is this, that Jesus invited Peter to life change. So we saw a little bit of this video in the, in the beginning of Jesus um, being called. And what I loved about this video, other than that it was funny and it was a great um, cartoon video, but that it actually takes bits and pieces of the different areas where Jesus, where we see the story of Jesus calling Peter. Because if you look in Matthew or in Mark or in John or in Luke, the different accounts on that, it looks like they're different things that are happening, like they're counteracting with each other. But what's happening is that there are different accounts of when Jesus interacted with Peter. Sometimes we think when you read the story in Matthew, Jesus interacts with Peter and says, hey, you're a fisherman. Let's take the boat out and go cast some nets, right? And then Peter's like, okay, you know nothing about fishing. Like, we were fishing all night. That's the time when you fish. You don't fish during the day. I know what I'm doing, but fine. Okay, whatever. Let's go out of the boat. We'll cast our nets. The miracle happens. And he says, come follow me. I'll make you fisher of men. And he just abandons his whole business. Like, when you read the, that account, you think, all right, that, like, that is crazy, Peter. Like, he didn't, there's, there's no, like, he has nothing else other than he interacts with this, this guy named Jesus he does this miracle, and then he just throws all caution to the wind, leaves his business, and follows this guy for three years. But there's a couple things in that account that isn't noticed. The first is, is that actually Peter met Jesus before. We saw this in the video. See, Peter's brother was introduced to Jesus through John the Baptist. He was a disciple of John the Baptist. He was listening to him teach, and then John was pointing to Jesus as the coming Messiah, as the one that brings the answers, the one of hope, the person that they were waiting for. And so Andrew comes along and he says to Peter, the Messiah is here. You need to meet this guy. Hey, Peter, come meet this guy named, well, in an English translation, it'd be Joshua. So I was like, what? Who's Joshua? You know, and then one of the other disciples says, hey, come meet Jesus from Nazareth. And one of the other disciples was called, like, whatever good came from that area of the world. So he was unassuming, but there was something about him. There was this hype that was going on. And so Peter, his brother, actually says, come meet this person. And so he comes and interacts. And the first things he says to him, you know, goes to him and goes, your name is Simon. And he goes, wait, how do you know my name? He peers into his soul and says, from that one, I will call you Peter, which meant stone, a rock, something solid, something that was like, yeah. And it was common in that culture for names to be changed based on who they were. They were named based on characteristics and who they were and what they portrayed. And so name changes weren't an uncommon thing in that culture. And so now he was given this nickname, but it had changed his name. And then a couple days later, you see the story where Jesus comes along and he starts, the crowd's coming him and he's building this thing and Peter's seeing this happen and he's being pushed 
and pushed onto the shore, and he's going, I need to teach. I need something a little bit easier so I could talk to this crowd because there was no microphones, no technology or that. And he goes, hey, I interact with this guy named Simon who I'm going, Peter, hey, Peter, you got a boat. Push me out. Come into the boat so that I can teach. And Jesus is creating this natural amphitheater for the crowd so they could hear him. And then it's in that moment after Peter hears this message of hope. We don't know exactly what Jesus talked about, but he was preaching a lot about the coming kingdom, and the kingdom was here. And then he says to Peter, go further out and cast your net. And that's the moment where Peter goes, okay, well, that's a little odd. Like, I'm the fisherman, you're not. We don't fish at day because that's when the fish go down. We don't even have fishing when it's hot, the fish go deeper. And when in the middle of the night, when it's cooler, the fish come up. It's easier to catch them. They have nets. And then, so he says, well, you know, you seem like maybe there's something to this person. So he brings them out and he casts a net. And that's when the miracle happens. And maybe you didn't realize it was about Peter's story, but there's all of these pieces that happen. And it's in that moment where he realizes not only intellectually there's something about this guy, but he experiences something. And he realizes this is a divine man. Maybe he hasn't got to the point yet that he knows that he's God, but he knows that this person is from God, that he is a prophet. There's something here. And so he falls down to his face and says, go away from me, teacher. I am a sinful man. And this is where Jesus says these famous words. Peter, follow me and I will make you fisher of men. And that was the line, the invitation towards the rest of Peter's life. It's in this moment, with all of these things, hearing the message, seeing the miracle, experiencing, seeing the echo, the the echoing and the, the confirmation of his brothers and others that there's something about this guy. And so he's willing in this moment, what he has seen and what he has experienced, that he just leaves everything behind and follows Jesus for three years. Maybe you're sitting here today and you haven't even fully accepted this. You know, you attend church, you're checking it out, you're not too sure what you think about Gateway or this Christianity thing. Maybe you have, but you need to take that step where there's this real invitation from Jesus, not just the person you're with that's saying, come, follow me. There's this amazing passage that Jesus says, he says, he says these words, it's not on the screen, but he says, he says, Take on my, all you who are weary and burdened, come to me, take my yoke, and I will teach you the unhindered rhythms of grace and life. And maybe that's what you need, that you're in this turbulent state of your life, or you're just done with this, or you're trying to do this on your own, and you need to take that first step, that just stepping into the water, that ankle deep to say, all right, Jesus, I'm giving you a shot. I'm going to accept this invitation. You know, there's this, this imagery that gets used in these type of things about um, playing in a sports team. You know, and, and a lot of times it happens, it uses ideas like you need to get off the bench, you need to get into the game. But I want to push this a little bit further. I'm sure that every one of us has one of those friends who's that crazy fan who spends most of their time yelling at the TV, throwing something at them, and knows exactly what that team should be doing and how they should be playing the game. Maybe, maybe you're that person. I don't know. 
But we have these things in our lives that we look afar, that we're sitting on the sidelines. We're not even in the stadium, even close to be playing, and we can look out and criticize what is going on, but we're not placing ourselves to be a part of that team. Let me challenge you guys that if you are not playing the game, that maybe you even just need to be a bench warmer. You need to be connected. You need to see what's going on. But you need to take that step into what is going on and be a part of what God is calling in the mission of hope and love and grace. See, God is calling you to move from the bench warmer to play in the game. Or maybe you have been, you are playing in the game, but maybe you're Andrew in this story. And you are seeing this life change your own life. And like Andrew goes, he's so excited because he's, he's met Jesus and he's experienced something. So he goes to his brother Peter and he's like, you need to meet this guy named Jesus. That's it. That's all he does. He doesn't have this well-rounded theological understanding of the gospel and how none of that stuff. He's just like, you need to meet this guy. You know, maybe this morning, that's the challenge for you. Maybe God already is putting somebody on your mind that you know needs to meet this Jesus and experience him in a way that will be life-changing. And that's why we do things like these invites and things like fall kickoff and cater the whole experience for that person who's not even in the water, who might even be hostile toward this idea of Christianity, who needs to experience this hope he needs to experience this person, this God named Jesus. So at the end of the service, when you walk out the doors, the ushers are going to be handing you an invite. Make sure you grab one. Make sure you grab two or three. Let God direct you, the Holy Spirit to tell you, and pray over this and say, who do you want me to introduce to Jesus? And then take that risk. Take that next step. Maybe you're here and I'm going to take that next step and I'm going to share that, hey, I'm a Christian and I go to this church, this awesome church called Gateway. And you take that risk. And maybe you're a person too that's been saying, you know, I've done that. I've invited somebody. Let me encourage you not to lose heart. Let me share a story. I shared this a couple years ago. Most of you probably won't remember it. But I had this friend and was in grade 12 and he lived out in a, in a country lot and just down this, the, the next farm down, he had a friend we all went to school together, and every Sunday, Peter, ironically, Peter, my friend, invited his, our friend Brent out to church every single Sunday. And I can imagine Brent, he, you know, now Peter is this, a very loving, unassuming, he's not being pushy, or he's not being judgmental, or any of that stuff, he just, he genuinely is excited about what he believes, and he wants to go to church, and so he's inviting Brent, and Brent knows that he's being genuine, wasn't hurting their relationship, but every Sunday, through all of grade 12, he was like, nah, good, I'm good, man, and he said, okay, cool, and every Sunday, he invited Brent, and invited Brent, and invited Brent, and invited Brent, and then one Sunday, Brent's like, fine, 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 I'll come, I'll show up, so that I can shut you up. And Brett came to church, experienced Jesus in a supernatural way, and his life has been changed. Because Peter saw it as his opportunity 
to see his friend want to be, to meet this guy named Jesus. And he took this step to say, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow and I'm going to be excited about what I believe, not just for myself, but I can't keep this to myself. Like Andrew, when he's talking to his brother, he's like, there's this, like, he could have just said, man, I, I met this Jesus, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm going to see how it pans out before I share with other people. I'm going to see how things work out before I bring Peter into this because I, I don't want to bring the whole family business into it. You know, you could think yourself out of it, but he's just like, no, no, haul in. He's like, Peter, like, I met this guy. It's so exciting. I, I don't even have words. You need to meet him. And so when you look at this, don't look at, there's no power in this piece of paper and the words. I mean, it is very well done. And Mitch put a lot of work in this with every intention that hopefully this will give the information and the excitement. And we have a landing page and a website with all this. All of that's there to help that person come. But ultimately, the power of that, of that person coming is nine times out of ten out of personal invitation because it's you bringing them. So there's no power in this individually but it is a tool for you when you get them and see that excitement, you go, and they're like, okay, hey, cool, I'll check it out. You're like, awesome, here's all the information. And they have everything they need. You don't need to say with time, it's just here it is. Here's the website, here's our thing. And on our website, we have a plan your first visit. Hopefully, you'll be the one helping them with that. But if there's somebody else, they can check everything out. They can check out the service. They can check out the church. They can plan the first visit, contact with us. We can pre-register their kids into kids' church to make it quicker, if they have kids, everything is set up for them. No excuses. So here's the thing. Jesus invites us into this life change experience. And we want to see people experience Jesus for life change and hope. And so as we're thinking and you're praying about fall kickoff, to be thinking about let the Holy Spirit reveal to who you, who he wants you to invite and experience Jesus. Maybe for the first time or in a new, fresh way. Going back to Peter, see, Jesus doesn't simply invite us to life change, but invest in that life change. What I love about Jesus is that he's challenging them, he's rooting them, but he's also caring for his disciples. If you go to the, one of the, the later stories of Peter, Jesus has died, he's rose from the grave, he's going around, he's interacting with people, and we're a creature of habits, right? So Jesus died, and Peter is discouraged. He's not sure what's going on. He's hearing accounts about Jesus being risen, but he's still trying to process it all, so he goes back to what he knows, and he goes fishing. He just says to his brothers and his other guys that are in the business, a lot of the disciples are fishermen, said, let's go fishing. I need to process this. I need to go to my den. I need to go to my shop. I need to go to my happy place. The thing that I know, the thing that is comforting and familiar, and so he goes fishing. And it's interesting these stories have very similar tones that happen. Jesus is walking, and he calls out to them fishing, and he says, hey, cast your nets on the other side. And then so they do that, and a similar things happen. And what's amazing about this is after that, when they realize that it's Jesus of the shore calling out to the resurrected Jesus, Peter throws off his heavy clothes literally goes head first into the water. Doesn't, like, he leaves everybody else in the boat to deal with the fish and to bring them. He's just like, I don't care about this. Jesus is on the shore. He throws everything back, goes head deep into the water and goes to the shore. And when he gets there, what he sees is Jesus already has some fish because he's Jesus. <laughs> I know you just caught some fish, but I don't need your fish. I got fish. And he's cooking breakfast and he's like, Peter, join me for breakfast. 
And they have this interaction, and Peter is riddled with guilt and shame because not that long ago, a few days pass, Jesus and Peter in fear, in the moment where though he was headlong, but now he's in the midst of it, he retracts back, and they say, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? This is when Jesus is being interrogated and he's arrested. He goes, no, 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 I'm not one of them. You don't, I'm not that person. Don't, it's not me. And he's sitting around a campfire and he's being accused of these things or called out and he's denying them. And Jesus says, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows, before sunrise comes up. And this is in his mind. He's sitting around a campfire again. Probably can't even look into Jesus' eyes. And Jesus is like, look at me, Peter. Do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And he says again, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know that I love you. And feed my sheep. And I know, and Peter knows it's coming because he denied him three times and Jesus is helping him destroy the lies that have been placed on, the, the mistakes that he has made and reinstating him as a disciple in this. And he knows it's coming. He's like, no, Jesus, don't do it. Don't do it. Peter, do you love me? And in that moment, Peter finds this healing because he's interacting with the loving, hope-filled Jesus who wants to set him free of this guilt and shame in his life. Could you imagine? Put yourself in Peter's shoes. He's a person that's willing to kill for Jesus, but he wasn't willing to die when the time came. And he retreats. And he's guilt-ridden by this. And Jesus says, let it go. I heal you. You're forgiven. There's nothing held against you. And he reinstates him in this moment. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you had breakfast with Jesus? It's an interesting concept because that tactile idea, like to sit down, I just, before we came here, my family sat down and me being French-Canadian, decided to have French toast. And got our boys to, you know, sit down and get around the table and have some time together. So when I asked you this question, when was the last time you had breakfast with Jesus? I'm not literally talking about you set up a table and make breakfast and set a plate. I mean, if that's what you need to do, I mean, what? I'm not going to judge you, but you don't need an empty spot with an empty plate and, you know, make a coffee and, and those type of things, but this sense of interaction, this connection, this relationship. When was the last time you experienced that? Like truly, in your life, slowed down and invited for breakfast where Jesus could minister to you in a supernatural and healing, hope-filled way. Some of you might be because you're too busy, all the noise. You're going, 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 going. And you need to start cutting some things out of your life. There was this um, pastor down in, in Montreal, one of our alliance pastors that I visited, and, I, and I, I needed to hear this message as a pastor. As the executive pastor, I like to do, do, do. I'm the Martha, not the Mary. That's, I'm the guy who's get busy, get her done. And he says this, is you need to find inner peace so that you can be restless about the things that God wants to be restless about. We can get so busy and restless about all these things that are going on that we don't slow down enough 
that God leads us. And maybe sometimes it's not even to be restless for to do something, but it's restless about something that God wants to do in our life. And so we need to spend some time to slow down so we can hear from him and him to have, have that interaction with him. Or maybe for you, it's because you think you're unforgivable. You're unworthy. You're unqualified to be called by Jesus. Can I just say something? That that is a load of crap. It's junk. It is a lie from the enemy. Maybe it's a lie that you've said in your mind for so long. These things that hold you back. And what Jesus wants to do with you is the same thing that he does with Peter. He wants to bring him back through the water, back into his presence. You know, and healing is painful because you need to rip the bandit off. It needs to heal. There's scabs. That's part of the process. But you need to bring yourself into the presence and allow God to reject the lie that I am worthless, I am unforgivable, I am broken, I am a sinner. And for Jesus to go, that is a lie, you are forgiven, you are loved, I have a calling upon your life. And for some of you, you might need to go a little bit deeper. Let me challenge you with this. There is this course that we're going to be putting on in starting in October, and it's, during, it's going to be part of our community night, and it's called Soul Care. And just as what it sounds, we're going to do some soul care to get underneath the surface and to deal with the junk in our life. The author of this uh, study and book, his name is Dr. Rob Reimer, and he has this analogy. And now that I'm thinking about it in the moment, it would have been great to have this suitcase on stage. But just imagine that there's a suitcase on stage. And you open up that suitcase, and that suitcase is your soul, right? And God wants to put these blessings and these truths and wants to minister in the suitcase. But here's the problem. Your suitcase is full of junk. If you weren't here last Sunday and you didn't hear the message from Darian, I really recommend, actually, if you were here last Sunday and you did hear the message, I recommend you go back and you listen to it again. And maybe even listen to it again and listen to it again. Because what happens is we can't put the stuff that God wants to put into our suitcase because we've got so much crap and junk that is sitting in there that we need to do the work and we need Jesus' help in this to take that stuff out of the suitcase before we can put it back in. We can put the other stuff in. We need a clean house before we can put what is good there. And maybe for some of you, you're like, I don't know where to start. Here's my challenge. At the end of this service, go out Go to the info desk and put your name on the sheet that says groups. And right beside that, either community night, actually just do it simpler. Maybe it's community night because you want to get into community. That's amazing. But if you're sitting here and this is resonating with you, you just write soul care beside that. So that we can keep you up to date as when it's launching and everything that's going on. And we're gonna, there is going to be an amazing moment of healing and liberty and freedom. And the Holy Spirit is going to move and set people free in the midst of this, and if you need that in your life, as I know that we all do, and you're ready to go through that process of sit down with Jesus and allow him to pull the garbage out, because I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, pulling that stuff out and bringing it out to the light means it's bringing it out to the light, but it can't be dealt with until it's out into the light if we keep it hidden in this suitcase. But ultimately, it's this. My mom had uh, this 
I don't remember what it was, this Pontiac car. And as a teenager, and it always pulled to the right. It desperately needed a wheel alignment. But because my mom wasn't able to afford the repair, we just decided to just keep driving it. Like, literally, when you're driving down the road, you had to cock a little bit to the left, and you were, you were just driving. Right? I was driving one point and, and as a, I had my learners and we were going down the highway and, and because it had this, you know, this pole to it and trying to you know, keep it straight or whatever, we got pulled over by this police officer because he thought I was drunk because his car kept doing this. And when you need a wheel alignment, when you're pulled to the right, you bring it to the shop and they do a wheel alignment for your car so that it can go straight. For many of us, what we need Going into that, again, teaching us the unhindered rhythms of grace and life, we need a soul alignment in our lives. We need to come at the beach, even before we get into the water, and spend some time with Jesus, have breakfast with Jesus, so that he can do a soul alignment for us. And you need to do that periodically. Come back into the presence, because you'll be walking again, and you're out of sync, and you're starting to be pulled and so you need to come back to the presence so that you have this soul alignment. And even better that you spend your time learning what that feels like and looks like so that you are staying in that presence so that he can do this continued wheel alignment. And so the, the challenge in all this, because it involves vulnerability, it involves sacrifice, surrender, all that stuff, my challenge to you is this, is let go and let God open up the suitcase Go, Jesus, deal with it. I can't. I'm unable. I know this. I'm done trying to figure it out on my own. Here, it's yours. And let him do his work. But to be able to let go, there also needs to be a level of surrender and going all in. And here's the last thing that Jesus, in this story, that Peter is interacting with, and it's this. It's inspiration or to be inspired for action. And this is one of the craziest stories. One of those stories in the Bible, you read it and you're like, wait, did Jesus just say that? Like, what? So Jesus is going around and there's story after story after story in where the, the context of this verse and the crowds are coming and they feed the 5,000 and they're doing all these miracles and, and Jesus is telling them these stories and he's trying to t- convey to them the weight what they want because what was happening they were seeing Jesus feed the 5,000 heal the sick and a lot of these people were like here's our meal ticket and our universal health care that was it in the 80s there was this whole movement called the silent revolution in Quebec where they had everything that they needed was supplied by the Catholic Church and as they started to realize that their education their food their, their health care, all these things are now being supplied by the government. They didn't need the church anymore. And so there was about an average of like 80, 90% attendance at church. And in one year, that dropped down to 20, 30%. There was no outcry. There was no setting of fires. It was just they voted with their feet because they were clinging to the church, not because of Jesus, but because of what Jesus could give them. And so Jesus is doing the same thing in the crowd and he's telling these hard things and he gets harder and harder and harder. If you watch the progression and finally he goes, all right, fine. If you want to be my follower, you must eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood. And they're all like, hey, whoa, this got weird. 
And basically the entire crowd, the crowd that he had gathered left because he was saying, all right, you've been following me for a while, you've been doing these things, but I know that you're doing them for the wrong things and so for your own good, I'm going to set a line in the sand. And what's amazing is, is that he, this happens and the crowd leaves and the disciples are still standing there and Jesus looks to them and he says, what about you guys? And Peter, being the one who speaks first and does it right this time, says, Lord, whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. He's saying, where, where are we going to go? You are the answer that we've been looking for. I'm putting it all in here. I had a friend in college. Um, he, he, he came from France and he actually um, was a person who was quite gifted in the poker and he actually was on the Poker France tour, and he actually paid his way through school through playing poker. Now, your opinions of gambling aside for the sake of this story. But there's these moments when you're playing, and you're playing um, the game that you are testing the waters, looking at these things, where there's this thing that's what's called all-in. And you call it, and you take everything you have, and you put it on the line. You take every chip and you're saying, I'm putting everything on this hand, on the cards that have been dealt to me, and I'm going all in. All or broke, all or nothing, total abandonment. Or maybe think about it like this. When you invest, when you go to a bank or you go to a, a stockbroker, an investor, they take your money and they diversify it. Because they're trying to lower the risk. And you're going, well, if this one crashes, you have these things, and over the years, you'll be able to gradually grow. But there's all the other people that know how the market works, and they see what's going on, and they go, that's going to boom. The people that knew that Apple was going to pick up, and they're like, let's dump money into that. And they put all of their eggs into one basket, and it's either going to skyrocket or sink. My challenge for you is this. When you look at Jesus, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That we don't diversify, ultimately, we put it all in. And this is what Peter is doing. This is what Peter is doing in this passage, and he says, whom would we go? I'm not putting a little bit of you into my business, it's everything into you. And what's amazing in the previous story, and Jesus says, you know, yes, you failed at wanting to die for me, but you will, that he laid down his life that historians say that Peter was crucified and he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus, so he asked to be crucified upside down. And in his old witness, the things that he failed in before, that he succeeded because he put it all in and it was because of these small few people who were dedicated to be all in that the world was changed. Not just in the message of hope that we have, but how that hope has impacted the world. If you tie in so many of the things that happen in the world, education, Healthcare, science, a lot of these things tie back to people's faith and direction and being all in into Jesus. So my challenge here is this, to be like Peter, to be all in. So what does this mean? Well, let me, let me challenge you with this. There was, I was talking to somebody and they just, this was an offhand comment and it stuck with me. And here's what they said if we put the quote up. He says, you find, said, I find it interesting 
that we are so quick to surrender our lives but struggle to give of our time and our finances. Maybe you're that person who has gone ankle deep. You're like, I'm all in. I've given my life. I'm going to follow Jesus. Oh, wait, he asks something hard. I'm going to pull myself back. We all do it. I mean, this is human nature. When things get hard, it's fight or flight. That's what we do. But it is interesting that we're ready to, to, you know, intellectually at least, surrender our lives. But when it comes to things that are tangible, we find it difficult to also surrender those things to let go and let God. We like that idea. God, just bring me blessing and I let go and everything's great in my life. But we forget about our part of what's going on in the mission. So the first is to give your time. You know, maybe it's time that you join a team that God has gifted you. The Bible says that before the foundation of time that God has given you gifts to use for his purposes. He has a role for you to do. You're ready to impact lives. Maybe you think, again, that you're not worthy and you need to learn that. But you have something to offer. Start asking God what that looks like. Or maybe you're just like, I don't know where to start. Sure, I get it. Well, you know what? We have this great event that's coming up called Fall Kickoff. And there's, this might be the opportunity for you to test drive what it means to serve God and see how God works through your actions. And again, at the end of the service, out in the foyer, at the info desk, there is a sign-up sheet for fall kickoff specifically. Just take that step to go all in. Just one Sunday. I'm not even asking you to sign off your life for the rest of your Just one Sunday. Test drive what it looks like to be a part of what God wants to do in other people's lives and see how he works in your life and the lives of others. I suspect you're going to get hooked. The other is this, money, our resources. Jesus says where your treasure is is where your heart is. Put your money where your mouth is. That's one of those topics that we don't like talking about, right? Because it's uncomfortable. There's certain things you just don't talk about around the table, because it brings argument. You don't know the situation I'm dealing with. I, and I don't. But God does. And you know, let me put it this way. You have been hearing a lot of generosity talks. And because of people's generosity, you, know, you realize that this church would not operate, would not exist, cannot accomplish what God is calling to do without people's time, their serving, and also their gifts, that sacrifice. And you've been, we have people that come on stage and share in their stories, and none of those people are staff. And we're very intentional about that because we need to understand that there's something about generosity that fuels that. And let me, let me say this. I'm never going to stand on stage and promise to you that if you start to be sacrificial in your time and your finances and your resources, that God is automatically going to bless tenfold. That may happen. God may, I've heard stories after story of people like, God is challenging them. Trust me. I know you don't have the finance, but trust me. Do this. Give this. And then later that God shows them that he's going to take care of them by giving them, literally in hours, giving them the same amount that they gave. And that person's like, hey, God told me yesterday that you need this money. But God did those things to show them that God is going to take care of them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's how it's going to work. Just had a Jezreel's talk not too long ago talking about patience and needing to look at this idea of being partnering with what God is doing. But here's three things I can promise if you're going to give and be generous. Three things. One is you will grow in your faith 
and you will grow closer to God. If you want to grow in your faith, you really, you really want to grow in your faith, you're thinking to yourself, Man, I re- God, I want to grow in my faith. You need to sacrifice. Because faith takes action. And if you want to actually trust God in a real way that is scary, that means actually stepping into the water, I challenge you to give. The other thing is this, you will see God work in your life. I don't know exactly what that will look like, but I can guarantee you God will work in your life through your generosity. And lastly, you will see how God will impact the lives of others. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking like, I don't like what you're saying. Maybe that's not me, maybe that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. And I'm not going to tell you an amount. I'm not going to tell you. Just between you and God, do some business. But let me challenge you with this. Take, I'm going to give you a generosity challenge. Take the next, it's going to be a big number. Take the next six months and give consistently. And six months because you need to see the outworking of it. The amount is between you and God. I'm not, I'm talking about 10%. I'm talking about tithe. I'm just saying start giving consistently. Maybe that's every week. Maybe that's once a month. Whatever works for you. We have even systems in place where you can log in and set it up and it'll just do it automatically. It's easy. But do it for the next six months and I guarantee you, you will see your faith grow. You will see God work in your life and you will see other people impacted because you know that you're partnering. Let me say this. And if you partner and you believe that you're partnering and this is your church to be also not looking at other people in the rows beside you while it's their job to deal with this. So here's my challenge for you guys. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Are you ready to go all in? This is my challenge for you. And and let me say this. You're all in a different journey. Think about this spectrum of the place. Or just think about you're standing on the shore. Why don't you guys stand up? You're standing on the shore, Okay. Close your eyes for a second and envision this for me. You're standing on the shore and Jesus is calling you to go all in. And for some of you, that means you need to step into the water. For some of it means it means you need to go ankle deep to knee high deep. For some of you, it means knee high to, to waist and wait. You get the point. For some of you, it's you're on the shore and Jesus is like, just let it go. Just let it go. Just run after me. Come into my presence. I want to invite you to a life change. I want to invest in you and heal you. And I want to inspire you to see how your life, what I'm doing in your life, can change you and the world. What would happen if the church not just Gateway, but the church. No, you know, let's, let's make it personal. What would happen if Gateway, what would happen if you went all in? Imagine the impact that we could have in people's lives. Imagine the impact that we could have on the city of Edmonton. So for some of you, maybe it's that invitation to start following and walking with Jesus and seeing what he says in your life. Or maybe it's taking that invitation and being like Andrew, hey Peter, or Simon at the time, hey Simon, you need to meet this Jesus. 
Maybe you need to take some moments, slow down and let Jesus invest in you to heal you, to open that suitcase. And that's you, that you would sign up for soul care. And lastly, maybe you need some inspiration. You need to test drive fall kickoff and you need to sign up or you need to let go and you say, whatever God you want, I'm going to do. Step out in faith. See what happens. Take the next six months and whatever God, whatever God, whatever the Holy Spirit, not what I'm telling you to do, what He's telling you to do in the next six months. And I promise you, you will see Him move. So you're standing at this shore. Holy Spirit, reveal to us, reveal to every person here what that looks like to them. I feel the Holy Spirit saying that for some of us, you are hanging on to something. If you are hanging, eyes closed, heads down, if you're hanging on to something, just put your hand up in a fist right now. Whatever is holding you back, imagine it in that hand. And Holy Spirit, as you are ministering to them, when you are ready to let go and let God open your hand and let it go. For others of you, that you are chained down, tied up, and that you need to be set free, Holy Spirit, that you be starting at work here and now in these people's lives to remind them that we do not fight to victory, but we fight from victory. Break off these chains so that we can walk this life hands held high, standing in victory, clothed in your armor. And for others just recognizing that they need to take that first step. If you are here today and you're not sure where you stand with God, head down, eyes closed. I just want you to take a point of declaration. In any of these steps of going all in, if you are ready to go all in, I'm not going to ask you to stand because you're already standing, but if you're ready to go all in, all eyes closed, head down, just put your hand up and just make that declaration today. Make that step saying, whatever that looks like, it's an invitation, it's an investment in you. It's an inspiration for your movement. Just say, I'm ready to take the next step of going all in. Maybe it's one step. Maybe it's dipping your toe in the water. Or maybe it's running all in. But just raise your hand and make that declaration before God. And say to Him, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I'm ready for what your will is in my life because I know it is better. Holy Spirit, we just thank you your message of hope. We thank you for your love and your grace in our lives. Holy Spirit, do a work here. That we pray for every person here that you would bring healing and hope. That you would bring inspiration into our lives. Reveal to us and keep it nagging in the back of our mind what you would want to do in our lives and what you're asking for us to do. We also pray for fall kickoff. The invitations that will be going out as you hand them out to your representatives, your ambassadors, your people. And as they go out, they would impact lives. And as they show up here at fall kickoff, that they would be, they would hear 
that message like Peter heard. They would be experiencing Jesus like Peter heard, and their lives would be changed forever. And that your people would be the ones carrying hope and love in this power, changed in this moment, that we would not leave this experience the same person. And as they take this step, that you honor that in their lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, death, resurrection, and ascension, and all authority that we can claim this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, let's worship God. God, you're all